Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. I want you to turn for me to John 11. John 11. I want to uh, just talk to you this morning about a passage of scripture that really, when you look at it, I believe it captures the heart and moment that we find ourselves. And let, let me say it this way. Um, we talked about Independence Day yesterday and, and what we celebrate today. It looks a little different in our world today because there's a lot of, of people that have been marginalized, um, have not had the freedoms that many of us share today. And, and now there's a, a loud movement. There should be, there should be, and rightly so, movement speaking up for there to be change because there needs to be change. And for it really to be true, what was declared in 1776 and all the wording. And I've read, I read it yesterday. I read it again this morning, the Declaration of Independence. It was a promise. It was a standard to live to. And we're not there yet, but I believe that we can get there. And um, now it seems like more and more people are talking about it and taking a stand for it. It's an emotionally charged time that we live in in our country for sure. It's emotionally charged not just because of the injustices that that are not being uh, allowed to happen anymore and rightly, a voice rightly speaking out against that, but also there's an emotionally charged time we live in because of the fear that's been created by pandemics and financial issues and things associated with that. I cannot remember a time that's more emotionally charged than today, just to be quite honest with you. And, and that's as a country, and that's also, therefore, it translates on down to individual families and individuals. In fact, when you look at the news, uh, you listen to these statistics, uh, people are trying to deal and process with emotion in their own home and their own uh, marriage. And, and I look in the scripture for ways and how to address certain things that I feel like the Lord is leading us to and through. And uh, just an emotionally charged situation is what is found in John 11. And we see Jesus navigate this in a particular way that will be, I think, a great guide for you and I, not only as an individual, not only as a family, a home or a marriage, but as a country. And honestly, I think this is the way change is really going to come through this type of response to emotional situations. And again, I, I believe that's not only the case for our country, but our individual families. And so let's start reading in John 11, uh, verse 32. And let me give you a little backstory. It is the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And Lazarus was one of Jesus' closest friends. Jesus did have friends on the planet. And it'd be hard to be Jesus' friend, don't you think? Kind of because like he knows what you're thinking all the time or whatever, or whatever. He knows what you did when you weren't with them. I don't know, I'd probably stay away from him a little bit. But he had a really close relationship with Lazarus. So there's an added emotion, not only for the events that are transpiring, but for Jesus to walk into the middle of the situation. Uh, Lazarus was uh, a man that we would believe to be about Jesus' age, therefore the relationship. He had two sisters, Mary and Martha, and we see them in other places in the scripture. And at this point in time, Lazarus has passed away. In fact, when Jesus comes on the scene, the Bible says, we don't read that scripture, it might be in 31 or verse 30, we start in verse 32. It says, when Jesus was coming or arriving, he had already been informed about Lazarus being sick, but he didn't get there right away. He kind of took his time, there's a reason for, not what we're talking about today though. And so when he did arrive, Lazarus has been dead for four days. And so John 11, 32, let's start reading there. In fact, let me read the passage in its entirety from verse 32, and then we'll go back and pull some truths out of here for today. John 11, 32 through 44, here, here we go, New King James. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here with us, my brother would not have died. He'd be alive today. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping uh, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Then in verse 35, Jesus wept. 
And then the Jews said, see how he loved him? And some of them said, could this not... Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped in a cloth and Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. And you can imagine perhaps, and I don't have time to give you really even greater context to the emotion of the moment, but here's a situation totally unexpected, totally unfair, totally unexplainable, uncalled for, and that in itself creates an emotion in people and intensifies it because it's this unfairness, there's this lack, why couldn't anything we'd be done if only you would be and I think we probably have all been there at some point and maybe some of us at that point now if you've ever lost a loved one perhaps you feel these things at times and maybe and let me say it this way if you've ever last, lost a loved one suddenly without explanation or things that aren't fair or seeming like you have no idea why that happened we see that type of emotion here in this story We see Jesus coming on the scene, dealing with his own emotions, and then looking at the things that are happening around about him. And I think there's four things that Jesus did in the middle of this uh, that will help us respond in the middle of emotionally charged moments. I believe this country is in an emotionally charged moment. I believe there's things that are unfair, unexplainable. People are marginalized. They didn't think it should be this way. Why is it this way? It shouldn't be this way. And that just intensifies an already emotional situation to a greater level. So I believe these principles are something that we, as a country, as a people, and as individuals, we can learn to walk in that will truly bring about change. And and so uh, Lazarus has died. And he died prematurely. He wasn't supposed to, it wasn't supposed to happen this way. This wasn't how life was supposed to be. And so the emotions are extremely elevated. And Jesus is walking into this scene with all the emotions that we can imagine and then some. And let's start back again and let's go look at John 32 through 33. Let's begin. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, listen to what she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. If you would have come when we asked you to, if you would have been here, you could have done something about this and you didn't. Where were you when we needed you? Why did you let this happen? Now, without a show of hands, how many of us have been there? In fact, I'm glad we're not showing hands because I don't have enough hands to raise right now for this one, right? If you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Where were, why did you let this happen? Can I tell you when I'm thinking about things now and I'm listening to different discussions I've had with people, whether it be about a pandemic, whether it be about racial injustice, I hear this comment quite a bit. Well, he could stop it at any time. Why is he allowing this to happen? My comment's always like, well, he didn't create the pandemic. Well, he could have stopped it. Why did he allow this to happen? Where is he right now? Because this is affecting everybody. Our lives are changing, our dreams are changing, our hopes are changing, our finances are changing, our futures are changing because of this. And he, in our estimation, is not doing anything to stop it. Where were you? That's the emotion of the moment. And so Mary is at his feet crying. At the same time she's crying, she's asking these questions to Jesus. If you only would have been here, you could have done something. 
And it says other people were there weeping. You could have prevented this. Where were you when we needed you? I mean, Lazarus was your friend. I mean, I've served you all the days of my life. I mean, you've been over to our house and had dinner with our family. I mean, I go to church every week. I mean, you, you could have done something. We, this is not just another number in humanity. This is a face that you know. You could have done something, but you didn't in the middle of our emotion. When we wrestle with pain and we begin to question, where were you? Why didn't you? That, those, that, that, that intense emotion brings out those questions in us. If God, if you really love us, if you really cared about us, why is this happening? Here's the danger. When you find yourself in this place emotionally, you begin to see your circumstances as permanent instead of temporary. Because isn't that true? We, we, we put everything on stopping or preventing something instead of God's ability to do something when something seems permanent in our life. And they're saying, if you only, why did you let this? And you could have stopped this as if that ended his ability. As if it's too far now, four days. It's too far now. You, in, in, order for you, in order for you to really have done something, you had to have done it before it became permanent. Isn't that kind of how we... I mean, really, if you're talking and saying these questions, that's kind of how we're approaching God. And it's like, if only you would have been here, if you would have stopped it before it happened... But it's the same God. But we miss that in the midst of our emotion. And the danger there is we can come to a place where we see our circumstances as permanent instead of temporary. We have already drawn conclusions at times that it's never going to change. It's too far gone. It's been centuries. It's been 400 years. It isn't going to change now. What can happen now? As if we're accepting something permanent when God still has the ability to change it. As if the problem has become bigger than our God. Because he didn't keep it from happening. Or it didn't turn out the way that we thought. It should. And Mary is living in her darkest moment of her life. And she, in this moment, is just crying out to Jesus. And, and she just needs to be heard. And, and, and listen to this. Therefore, when, when, when Jesus, verse 33, therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. You don't notice here that Jesus didn't respond to her question. And here's the first thing I want to point out in order to bring about change. And this isn't an emotional moment in your life. And I believe in this country, it begins with listening. He just listened to her. People sometimes just need to be listened to. My wife and I, with a dear uh, family, a friend of ours had experienced some tragedy just not long ago. And I'm on the phone a few times. Then we go in person to um, be with the family and what amounted to two funerals. And can I tell you, there were no words. There were no words. You know what they needed? They just needed someone to listen to them. And they were asking all these same questions, and I was too. And they just needed someone to, you know what I've realized in the midst of all, all the, the, the injustice that's being experienced today and all the, 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 the marginalizing of people, you know, the best thing I can do, the beginning point, the starting point is just to listen. Some of us won't even listen. When was the last time we just sat and listened to somebody who's in emotional crisis? We think we need to have an answer. When the reality is we just need to listen. Can I tell you, listening is a God skill. The Bible has a lot to say. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. We flipped it. We want to have an answer for everything. We want to defend everything. We want to justify everything. And Jesus is telling us, you want to deal with an emotionally charged moment, whether it be an individual, a family, or a nation, we need to learn to be listeners. Yeah. 
You know why things get so loud? It's because nobody's listening. Maybe they'll hear us now. Maybe you'll hear me now. And Jesus just listened. In the darkest moment of our life, she just needed to be heard. Sometimes in the middle of someone's intense emotion, we need to just listen. You don't have to have an answer. And that's the thing I coach my pastors. That's why I learned that from my dad. My dad would take me to every hospital visit. He would take me to every time that there was a tragedy with a family. And he was, he was a great listener. And he would just empathize. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know. He loves you. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. It's okay to respond that way. It's okay. Yeah, I know. He was such a great listener. Sometimes in the middle of emotion, we just need to listen. Jesus didn't try and correct her or defend her or defend himself. He didn't say, well, you need to consider that while I was on my way, I healed a whole bunch of other people. There were other people in need, not just Lazarus. He didn't say, understand, I knew everything that was going on. I've been here since the beginning. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, that's something, that's me. I was hearing the creation story. He didn't, if anybody could have, it would have been Jesus, right? And he just listened. He just listened. Sometimes in the midst of great emotion, you just need to listen. You know, again, in today's world, if all of us, if the church, if all of us would learn to just listen a little more, instead of we have to have a correction or a defense of the way situations are. But yeah, what about this? Let me say it this way. And so I'm going to say, because in the context of today, the 4th of July weekend and the need to come and really experience freedom and, and one nation under God. Listen, sometimes we just need to listen and we don't need to say, well, all lives matter. We just need to listen. That's okay. That's okay. They need to be heard. People need to be heard. In these moments, families need to be heard and we need to be heard. Listening is a God skill. And listen, if you don't understand that, we just read that in verse 42. We're not going to go there for time's sake, but verse 42, Jesus prays to the Father and he says, I know you always hear me. Listening is a God skill. It's good advice for parenting. Sometimes you need to just listen to your teen, your kid. It's a good life, a good lesson for marriage. Sometimes you just need to listen to your spouse. It's a, it's a good lesson in relationships and the emotion that happens surrounded that. Sometimes you need to listen to that person. They need to be heard. Someone needs to listen to you. First thing is I need to listen. Verse 33, Jesus saw her weeping, listened to her, and it says he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. There are, uh, there are uh, we just had that on the screen just a second. We don't have to go back there. But there are people that look at this statement here that he was troubled and he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. There's moments in life when we see things that should trouble us. I think part of the problem why there's not the change that need to be is because what we're seeing, the injustice that we're seeing, it doesn't bother some people. And let me just talk about racial injustice. It should bother you that there are people being marginalized and discriminated against. It should bother you. It should bother you when you see a homeless person. It should bother you when you see 800 families need to come on the campus to get food and have no other help or hope. If anybody should bother, it should bother the church. It should bother us. And Colin Powell was, uh, after Colin Powell led the coalition forces in one of the Gulf Wars and he was interviewed, what, what do you think the greatest need for America is today? He said this, I won't quote him exactly. I didn't write it down. I wasn't going to go there, but it popped in my head right now. He said this, America has forgotten how to cry. We've forgotten what it means to embrace people that are hurting. Jesus was, you know what? The word would be lamenting. Jesus was lamenting. He was groaning in his spirit and he was troubled. 
And listen, as believers especially, there should be things in life. You watch the situation on TV with George Floyd. You watch the other things. You hear, you listen. You see the injustices around, not just concerning race. And it should, it should affect us. It should impact us. Jesus is saying we need to lament. We need to grieve. We, lament means a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. We need, to, we need to understand. There are things and moments in life that should cause us to Lament. And now some have also interpreted this differently. I, I believe they interpreted this as he was angry at her. He was troubled. She's at his feet. Where are you? She's just blasting him, crying, sobbing. Where were you? You could have stopped this. And, and it says that he was troubled. And some people think he was angry at her. He wasn't angry at her. He was angry that there's a world that these things happen and keep happening in. He was angry that people die prematurely for no cause, no reason at all. He was angry that people still, there's unexplained things that happen to him. It's not fair. There's not, and, and that's what he was angry. He was angry that this is a world full of sin where these things are happening and keep on happening. And that make him angry, troubled. He's troubled that a world consumed by sin can cause a young man to die that didn't need to die. And that could be Lazarus or that could be the things that we see today. Put it. Put it in today's light that's happening all the time. We see it on the news now, and it should trouble us. We should lament and grieve. It should move our heart. Put it in the light of our personal lives. Marriages are dying today that shouldn't die. Relationships with kids and teens are dying today that should not die. People are taking their own lives. They should not die. How about this? Dreams are dying that should not die. Purposes are dying that should not die. Faith is dying that should not die. Hope is dying that shouldn't die. Peace is dying. Love is dying that should not die. We live in a world where those things are happening, and that's troubling. And that should trouble us. It should bother us. It should make us groan in our spirit and be troubled. When someone's dream dies because of a pandemic, when someone's marriage dies because they've been isolated together for too long, or because someone takes their life because they can't handle their eyes, that should trouble us. We should lament in those moments and feel that. Why does the world exist that is so troubled by sin that there are injustices and prejudices and pandemics that should never exist? Verse 35, not on the screen, but verse 35 doesn't need to be because it's the shortest verse in the Bible. You already know it by now. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. That's an interesting picture, isn't it? Jesus knew what he could do, but yet he wept. Maybe he wept because his friend was lost. Maybe and he felt the same emotions we did. The Bible says. Maybe he wept because, again, the, the injustice of someone dying prematurely. But Jesus has chosen to engage with this family, and he chose to weep with them. I mean, think about that picture, uh, that we have a Savior who is willing to listen and who is willing to weep with us. What a wonderful Savior we have. Why would you not want a relationship with Jesus? Someone who is willing to listen with you and to weep with you. I love that picture of Jesus. Jesus wept. Jesus lamented. We've become so used to the way things are in our lives that we no longer listen to those we should listen to and we no longer weep with those who are weeping. We've decided that it's just the way it's going to be. But if we're going to change, we have to listen and we have to weep with those who have been victimized, marginalized, forgotten, broken. Paul says, sometimes you got to weep with those who weep. We want to rejoice with those who rejoice. 
But sometimes you got to weep with those who weep. In this story, first thing Jesus did was listen and the midst of intense emotion. The second thing he did was he lamented or he wept with them. Take a look at verse 34. Here's his response now. Verse 34 says, and he said, where have you laid him? He didn't defend where he was, any of that. He said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come see. Jesus asked, where did you lay him? The response was, Lord, come see. Some answers can only come when you're willing to go somewhere with someone. Take a walk with me. Oh, I say, I've said this ever since a few weeks ago. I'll never walk a mile in your shoes, but you'll never walk alone. I will walk with you. We want to change. We want to change things in our own lives in emotionally charged moments. And, and, our, and we want to change things in our country in emotionally charged moments. We need to learn to listen. We need to learn to lament. And we need to learn to walk with people. Spend time with them. The ministry of presence is one of the most powerful ministries there can be. Oh, I don't know that I could ever be in the ministry because I don't know all the scriptures. I don't know how to, how to walk someone through a grief moment. I don't know how to deal with an addiction. Can you just be there? Can you just be with your neighbor? Can you just be with your friend? Can you just be with somebody that's hurting? I'm going to tell you, I don't have all the answers. There's a lot of places I show up at that I have nothing to say. But being there says, speaks louder than anything I could ever voice. Will you just walk with them? Some things you'll never learn. See, I've tried to do everything I can to learn about the feelings and emotions associated with what we're feeling today. That I'm listening to all these things about the fear from the pandemic. I'm listening to all these things about the emotion of the, the marginalized, the discriminated against, to try and understand. Listen, I'm reading all kinds of things, articles. I'm listening to all kinds of podcasts, but nothing replaces walking with them. Spending time sitting around a table, going somewhere with them, being there in the moment. Come and see. See, most people want a solution but aren't willing to take the time to take a walk. They go on a journey. Some things aren't learned in a moment. It takes walking with someone. Let's take a look at John 8, 30, uh, I'm sorry, John 11, 38, 39. Uh, I I gotta move forward. So here it says, then Jesus again groaning in himself. It's the second time we see this response, groaning within himself came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. But Martha, other sister now, we talked about Mary. In fact, Martha was the first one to come greet Jesus. And she said the same thing Mary did. If you would have been here, you could have prevented this. Now we see Martha re-engaged again. Roll away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to the Lord, Lord, by this time there's a stench for he's been dead four days. What's the point? I mean, he's so far dead. It's not like he just died and you could try like CPR or heavenly CPR or something like that. It's like he's dead four days. Again, why, what in, in us thinks that the God that created heaven and earth can't do something after the fact that someone thinks it's become permanent? They've walked with Jesus. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were with Jesus and saw many miracles. And so Mary and Martha have seen the things that Jesus could do. But for some reason, because of the intense emotion, they found themselves as deeming a situation now permanent instead of temporary, even though the God of the impossible was with them. But I can't judge them. I can't fault them. How many times have I had that mindset based on things and experiences of my life? It's important for us to understand that the same Jesus that heals and delivers and sets free is the same one that can come and change the situation that you see as permanent and change it to be temporary. In the midst of their crisis, their emotion, 
their darkest day, their hurt, their pain, their disappointment, they'd forgotten that the one walking with them is a God who is not limited, is a God of the impossible. If you'd been here, you could have. Understand, Jesus is willing to change things people thought were permanent. And that's what gives me hope about our world today. This is never going to change. It's been, what, 400 years? It's, what, centuries in the history of mankind? It's not going to change. This gives me hope that Jesus, that God specializes in changing things that people think will never change. And if enough of us are understanding the principles and the power of God, then we can bring and see about change. Jesus is willing to change things people thought were permanent. John eleven forty one through 44 says this. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. Here's that praying part. And I know that you always hear me. God's a good listener. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they might believe that you have sent me. And now when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And, when, and he who had died came out, uh, came out bound hand and foot with grave, grave clothes, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. In their minds, they didn't think that there was any possibility. But Jesus is saying, I specialize in things that are permanent. And so when something looked permanent, what did Jesus do? And this is going to shock you. When something looked permanent, what did Jesus do? He called out Lazarus. He, he called and spoke life. No, he prayed. What good's that going to do? I pray all the time. What good's it going to do when things are permanent? We need something greater than that. We need some mandate from heaven. We need everybody to shout as loud as they can. We need the whole church to do the Jericho march and shout the walls down. We need this. No, the Bible says Jesus prayed. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Jesus prayed. Listen, our first response is prayer. Our first response is not come out of the grave. See, Jesus could have moved the stone away just by speaking it, but he had the people do it. Jesus could have, he, he could have spoke, if he could raise the dead body, he could easily move a stone. He spent time praying and he spent time talking to God, setting up the moment. Maybe we haven't spent the time that we need to in praying with our heavenly father. Because of the emotion of the moment, it's hard to get to that place. That's why we need somebody to listen. That's why we need someone to lament with us and weep with us. That's why we need someone to walk with us and encourage us. And at that moment, then we need to pray. Or in other words, let's do this. Let's invite God into our environment, into our situation. If we're going to change anything, it doesn't change by by shouting at Lazarus to come out. It changes by listening first. Lamenting. I just, I'm, I'm blank now. Someone help me out, right? Um, some, what's the third one? Walking. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you. All the way, even with the mask, I could hear your booming voice echoing from the far caverns of the sanctuary. <laughs> Listening, weeping, walking, and inviting God in. And listen, if there ever was a time to invite God into our country, into our emotionally charged situation. See, it's only going to change by inviting God in. It's not going to change by legislation. It's not going to change by education. Transformation comes by an invitation extended to God. 
And finding God in the movement in the moment, we just sang a song, by God, they'll know us by our love. Reconciliation and revival comes by inviting God in. Your marriage isn't going to change without inviting God in. Your family's not going to change without God being the center of it. Your life, this country, will not change without extending that invitation and inviting God into the situation. We need to listen. We need to lament. We need to walk. And we need to invite God in. And then we can see that which we considered once permanent come back to life. That is the promise of the Father. That is how this, how this changes, how this comes about. Jesus says, I specialize in things that are permanent. But you don't start with Lazarus, come forth. You start by listening, lamenting, walking, and then inviting God in. And I want to leave you with these three things. I didn't put them on my notes. I, didn't, I wasn't going to go there, but I feel like I need to go there. He said, move the stone away. They move the stone away. What obstacles are in your life that are hindering you from doing what God wants you to do. And don't just try and pray them away. <laughs> Jesus could have spoke the stone away as easily as he raised it. I, I probably more, more energy to raise a dead body than move a stone, I would just guess. I don't know. What obstacles are in your life that you can move that you haven't moved yet? And then what prayers are you praying? Are you praying prayers in line with God's will, God's way, God's word? What, what is it that you are are praying at, where's your faith at? I know he always hears me. I'm confident in my prayers. And last thing is, it says, loose him and let him go because he was still wrapped in the grave clothes. Who is it that you can help? Who around you can you help right now? What obstacles can you remove? What prayers can you pray? And who can you help? And if we will all look to do that in our own life and be people that listen, that lament, that walk with, and then invite God in, we can see the things that are thought or considered permanent change in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.